Well, it's good to be back today, and we're going to talk about understanding alleliopathy of cereal rye when planting corn. Now, this is a very specific topic, and I guess you could say in one way it's it's more of a technical topic, so I'll probably have, I'll have less pictures today and a little bit more uh, explanation and so forth, because I, I really wanted to uh, cover this be, because there seems to be, I think, some uh, misinformation out there, if you will, but also as I have experienced planting corn into cereal rye for probably over 25 years uh, now, I'm just going to tell you up front that I feel that alleliopathy sometimes is wrongly diagnosed for, we'll just say, lethargic or yellow or slow-growing corn. And uh, so I'm just going to put my premise out front there. I, I'm well aware that there's other farmers who would agree with me on that. And I'll just say it tends to be more of a nitrogen deficiency than it is contributed to alleliopathy. So, aside from just learning how to pronounce the word, and I think I'm saying it right, I've heard it said different ways, but uh, alleliopathy, from a scientific uh, definition, is what I have listed here. The beneficial or harmful effects of one plant on another plant. Both crop and weed species, from the release of biochemicals from plant parts by leaching root exudation, volatilization, residue decomposition, and other processes in both natural and agricultural systems. Now that's a mouthful, but that's, a, I think, a fairly good definition of what we're talking about here. Now, when we're talking to farmers about this, uh, let's just simplify this a little bit more, and I'll just say I have a definition in here from an agricultural perspective from an agricultural perspective, alleliopathy is using a cover crop to suppress weed seed germination is a clear benefit, and that's the, uh, the positive side of it. But if that same process also negatively affects early growth of our cash crop, and today we're talking about corn, then we need to understand how to manage around it. And that's the reason for this topic today, because let's let's use the benefits of alleliopathy, but also fully understand how it works in the context of our cash crops and how they affect cash crops. And since cover crops rye, cereal rye, is used uh, probably one of the most popular cover crops there is, and since alleliopathy has been associated with some uh, slow-growing corn in the spring. That's why I was very specific here. We're going to focus on corn. That being said, alleliopathy in cereal rye does not, have, does not seem to have an effect on the cash crop soybeans. Now, it can still um, suppress weeds, which we know that that does occur, and that's a good thing. Uh, so, uh, so I just want to put that out there. Planting soybeans into cereal rye is relatively easy and relatively consistent where there's no issues with the soybeans associated with cereal rye. It's mainly all good, okay? When we plant corn, and again, 
there's just a couple things here in background, foundational information. Corn is a grass, like cereal rye is a grass. Corn uses nitrogen, rye uses nitrogen, and those dynamics is really what I want to talk about today and helping to understand that. So in looking at what the positive aspects of allelopathy and cereal rye and corn, some of the weed seeds that have shown to be most susceptible to this positive effect that cereal rye gives is pigweeds, lamb's quarter, purslane, crabgrass. And there may be more, but it's important to note that all of these are, are uh, small seeded. So, um, so that's, again, kind of my first point here. So allelopathy in cereal rye works against small seeded and the, 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 the thing about these weeds here is they're all fairly common in corn growing areas. So this potential aspect of helping to control them certainly is attractive. And, and that's what we want to discuss here in our uh, topic today. Um, the, the next thing is weed suppression can also last several weeks in a no-till situation but the effects are limited to seeds on or near the soil surface. And this is important to understand, especially in the context of no-till. And also, uh, as I continue here, that is why weed control is only partial, as the allelopathic chemicals from cereal rye do not reach very deep into the soil. And obviously, there's some of these small seeds could germinate a little deeper from the soil, um, but we can't assume that um, we, we just can't assume that um, it's going to control all these small weeds because it does not. So I think one of the things that's important in this is to understand that um, if there's a limited effect that allelopathy can influence in some weed control, but it, it certainly is positive. And that's, uh, of course, the good thing that we're uh, trying to talk about here. Um, so when we get to some of what I'm going to call the misdiagnosis of allelopathy, I'm going to list a few points here where I believe that is helpful to understand. Um, number one, corn is a large seed and relatively unaffected by allelopathic as a seed in itself. The other thing, too, to note here is it's planted around two inches deep below the area where most allelopathic chemicals typically reach. In other words, what comes out of the cereal rye in this case. Now, I'm going to talk about this in a more indirect way in the importance of proper closure of the seed trench or the seed where the, where the seed is placed could be important because if we cannot close our seed row effectively, those, those chemicals could leak in there and, and could affect the corn. Now, I just said that corn is a large seed and relatively unaffected. So the, the key is relatively unaffected. It could be, theoretically, that these chemicals could essentially get in and leak in the seed row that's not closed properly. So that's just kind of a I'll say in a, in a small way, something to consider while we're planting to make sure the seed furrow is closed completely. But slow-growing, and we'll just say yellow corn, 
and it's certainly not uncommon to see yellow corn, corn planted into cereal rye. Uh, Slow-growing yellow corn, especially planted early, into terminated rye cover is common. And, and, uh, and I want to just go into a little bit more um, detail on, on how that actually uh, works out and why there's the potential of a misdiagnosis. So, um, we all know too that soil typically is a little cooler, so early growth may be affected by that. That may be the cause of the, uh, of the, of the yellowing. And uh, so, we just have to take that into consideration. So, it's really easy to understand why this, what I'm going to call misdiagnosis, happens to uh, occur. Now, one of the reasons why corn is yellow beyond just maybe a cooler soil is also, and this is where I'm getting into where I think is the most impactful um, uh, aspect of why we misdiagnose allelopathy as being the yellow or slow-growing corn in the spring. Cereal rye will essentially take up all available nitrogen by the time of termination before or around planting corn. And that's a good thing. In other words, we're trying to keep the nitrate, nitrogen in the soil profile so it doesn't leak out. We're trying to capture it. We're trying to keep it. That being said, cereal rye essentially gets it all. It takes it all. So there's relatively very little, or I sometimes for effect just say there's zero nitrogen available for corn when it's planted into a cereal rye that was either planted green into or terminated just before or just after planting. This is why it's very, very important, and this is one of my key points here. It's why it's very important that nitrogen is placed on or very near the seed at planting. And I think this is the key to be able to overcome slow-growing, lethargic, or yellow corn that may not be associated with allelopathy. Uh, obviously, you know, we want those weed control effects that, they, that allelopathy gives us, but we want our cash crop corn, in this case, um, to be able to, to go, to be able to grow well. I'll just pause here a second, and I know that uh, seeing some chat here that my, uh, my uh, mic is cutting in and out. I'm not sure why that is. Uh, my internet seems to be a little slow today. That could be the reason. Um, so I'm, I apologize for that. Uh, but I'm just going to keep on going here. I hope that you can uh, hope you can understand this. So just bear with me. Uh, I just hope things clear up. So, uh, what type of nitrogen should we use? Because we all understand that you can actually burn seed by planting the night by putting placing nitrogen too close or on the seed. So we need to be very cognizant of what type of nitrogen to use because almost any planter now can be fitted up to put nitrogen or to put starter fertilizer, I should say, on or near the seed, right in the seed furrow. Um, so that is, is very uh, good, but we're going to have to use forms of nitrogen that don't inhibit, it, inhibit corn germination. And there's plenty of uh, good starter fertilizers on the market out there 
that you need to uh, – I thought of listing some here, but it, it got to be too many. Uh, you have to understand which starter-type fertilizers can be placed on or near the seed or the limit of how much they can in the context of how much nitrogen is there. See, you don't need much nitrogen. Uh, maybe only uh, a total of, of three to five or even just ten, ten pounds of nitrogen is probably more than you can get away with in the furrow. But we also, some planters are designed to be able to put nitrogen near the furrow or three or four inches to the side and one or two inches deep or beside the furrow on the, on the surface. There's all different kinds of methods to be able to do that. Uh, that being said, we need to get nitrogen at least a little bit, a couple pounds, very near that seed. So I have just listed here, use low type, low salt type nitrogen fertilizers. And or here, this is maybe the most popular way is to broadcast nitrogen on the soil surface. And that's very common for farmers to do that. Uh, to be able to mix even with the herbicides. They're using nitrogen as a carrier. And if you do that right after planting, you're basically going to rely on a the first rain to put that nitrogen into the ground. Um, so so uh, either trying to get some on the seed, very near the seed, a nitrogen that is um, has the ability to do that without harming the corn seed is critical in this. And, and or in addition to using uh, broadcast nitrogen. Now you may be wondering, I said I've been doing this for uh, over 25 years, what do I do? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I do, but I also, uh, I, this is not the only way, and there are many ways uh, to do what I'm trying to accomplish, but uh, for me personally, I will put one gallon, and I want to be clear, only one gallon of 28%. This has gone in the furrow with the seed. I use a biological stimulant that I have here that I use. Um, and I'll, you may ask, why don't I use a high phosphorus starter? That's because my soils are naturally higher in phosphorus. I haven't not been able to get a yield boost. So I'm using a biological stimulant. That's two gallons. Then I put a gallon of water, so my total is four gallons in the furrow. Only one gallon of 28% nitrogen. So that's very low, but if you would talk to someone, they may even react, say, oh, that might burn a seed. Well, I haven't found that to be the case. Uh, I don't see a lot of people recommending this, but it works well for me. So uh, my point here is understand what nitrogen you're putting close to the row when you're doing this. And, uh, and also make sure it's correct, and also make sure you get nitrogen on or near that little corn plant as it starts to grow. And when that is done, very, very rarely do you hear about allelopathy being the cause of slow-growing yellow corn in the spring. And with cereal rye, you will tend to get a little bit better weed control in some of those small seeded seeds simply because of the effect that it can give you. So um, this is, I'm going to show you some pictures coming up here, but regardless of how nitrogen is applied, 
It needs to be immediately accessible to the very young core implant. Cereal rye will give some nitrogen back eventually, but it'll be near the end of the growing period. Now, I want to spend just a second on this because I said earlier that cereal rye takes up nitrogen. That's a good thing. Um, it won't, you won't necessarily see all that nitrogen given back to your corn plant because the microbes use some of it just as they break down the cereal rye and that whole process. But what I have typically seen, and this has been repeated dozens and dozens of times, where corn planted into cereal rye will be your slowest corn growing in the spring, but come August, particularly if you're starting to see some stress with drought or whatever, that cereal rye, where that corn was planted in cereal rye, may be your best looking fields. I have heard that time and time again. So that is just something that seems to seems to be pretty comprehensive in um, in in how that all works and so that's that's again just understanding what a allelopathy is and what it is not so i want to show you some pictures of how this looks and uh the this uh this picture coming up here is where i planted the um corn into a cereal rye that was uh, rolled down and after I, I put my my starter fertilizer in and I uh, as I said before the gallon of 28 percent and I also then broadcast in this case as I if I can recall correctly here uh, 25 gallons of 28 percent and um, now, what is interesting here, this rye was rolled down, and we've talked about rolling before. The 28% that I broadcast is all I use without any herbicide. And then in this case, it was enough with the rolling and the application of the herbicide, excuse me, of the, of the nitrogen. It burned the rye back enough that I did not need any herbicide with the exception of the border of the field. So I just wanted to share that as showing this picture. But you can see there, that corn's pretty nice and green. Now, a few other things, just to full disclosure, this was not early planted corn. This was actually in 2016, it was planted late, the end of May. The corn was, excuse me, the cereal rye was six feet tall. Um, but that being said, you can see the corn is nice and growing. So this is, this is a, and again, this is also 15-inch corn, in case some of you astute people are looking at it and see how thin the corn is in the row. This is actually the close-up here of 15-inch uh, corn. Um, so just wanted to, to show you this is what we're going after. Now, that being said, <clears throat> if you follow what I've just said here, that doesn't mean early planted corn into a shorter rye may not still be the, the, the fastest corn growing in the neighborhood because it probably won't be uh, but the benefits that we get out of using cereal rye is because we can actually number one plant a cover late in the fall to have a cover and then we can keep that nitrogen in our soil profile over the winter and keep it from losing it which is an environmental benefit of course uh, and then also just being able to um, 
uh, keep good soil coverage and all the benefits that we have. Now, the other thing, too, as I wanted to mention, I alluded to it before, was planting the seed deep enough. And uh, I think that's important here. Uh, the, the, the power we have in the genetics these days, I'm tending to plant my seeds a little deeper than I used to, uh, partly because they seem to come up well. And I also would like to say in a higher biological soil, crops are emerge a little bit better and so forth. But we're able to make a cleaner cut with the residue that we're going through. And all these factors uh, enter into having a much more even stand when we're able to do that. And I think also to try to mitigate the effects from allelopathy from the cereal this helps to get the seed a little bit deeper. So that's just uh, something that I have in mind here that I think is important. The next thing is uh, how to close the row. And I'm just sharing this stuff with you because you don't hear it very often associated with uh, the allelopathy. So you want to be able to close that row very, very, very good so that the, the, the compounds from the cereal don't leak into that row. Now, closing the row of uh, cereal rye can sometimes be difficult because of the, the massive root mass, and especially if you're planting green or just terminating it right before. Uh, you plant. So there are many different spoked type closing wheels in the market. I'm just showing you a close up here. The arrows indicate where the spokes have have closed the slot. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying uh, which one to use. There's many. What I am saying is get the seed trench closed. That is what you want to do. I mean, I I literally I have a caption at the top. Where is the row? You don't really want to see the row uh, because you want it to be totally closed. And I think that's, again, the, the goal here. And I think not only agronomically is it is a good practice, but from this the topic that we have today about allelopathy, that's why I think that a lot of times there's other factors that get wrongly diagnosed as being in allelopathy. So... Um, if you guys got any questions coming up here, I'm going to just wrap up this portion here. But uh, please get ready to ask. I'm going to open the mics up soon. <clears throat> so if you're able to get this done, um, this is that field that I showed you close up earlier on, beautifully growing. Now it's it's going to take off and grow. This was into straight cereal There was a little vetch here and there in this field. But, but that being said, um, you're, we can... We can do a good job of, of growing corn planted in the cereal rye uh, in spite of maybe a challenge we might have from a laleopathy from the cereal rye. So it's, it's just important in how, and how we manage that is, is very important uh, to be able to understand it. So we actually have good, quick corn growth coming out of, of cereal rye. So... Um, I am going to uh, open up all the microphones here, and if anyone wants to ask the question, please speak up. I don't like to wait around, and if there's too many, we'll, we'll, we'll sort through it. Um, but um, there's a couple pictures going to go through here as we wait, but um, who would have a, a question here as it relates to allelopathy and uh, planting uh, into corn into cereal rye? Hey, Steve, I have a question. Yeah. First of all, can you tell um, us who you are and who you are and where you're from? 
All right, this is Stephanie from Indiana. Yes, yes, great. Um, I was curious about that first first picture with the corn and the cereal rye. You were kind of cutting out at that time, but oh. I think you had said that the twenty eight percent was your actual burn down. That you didn't do use any herbicide to to uh, to burn down the six foot cereal rye, or, and that you had just done the twenty eight percent, the twenty five gallons. I just wanted to have a little bit better clarification of that, so I, I make sure I understand that. By the way, am I cutting out? Am I still cutting out, or how am I sounding now? We sound great. Oh, awesome. It's just all of a sudden I'll be listening, and okay. then okay. all of a sudden it'll be just like dead air, and then yeah. you have to take a step back and go. Okay. I'm yeah, going to blame so it on the When internet. it happens, it's but, not happening all the time. Okay. So briefly, I'll go I over that, and, and thanks, for the, thanks for that question. Uh, that particular field was six-foot-tall cereal rye. I put a gallon, one gallon of 28% with my, with my biological and a little bit of water in the furrow, and then I sprayed, broadcast sprayed 25 gallons of 28% after it was rolled. So the rolling, essentially, I'm going to say took out probably 90% of the cover at that stage. So um, if, you, if I would have done this earlier, I would have had a spray, a burn down herbicide. But in this case, because it, the rye was fully headed out and pollinating, it was a combination of rolling, and then the 28% helped to burn off the rest. So um, that was just, that's just a, I guess you say, a clarification on how, uh, how that occurred. Um, so these pictures you see right now are actually some of that corn later on that I, uh, that I, that I took. So was that, was that, does that answer your question, Stephanie? Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay. Awesome. Anyone else? I see there's a few other people have their microphones on. Um, any other any other questions? Okay, I hear jo I hear Jim I hear Jim Horman. Welcome, Jim. Jim's from Ohio. Redirected. Yep. I read a oh. journal article recently that said um, perhaps fusarium or I can't remember pythium mm -hmm. may be related to some of this. Mm -hmm. um, Aleopathic effect. Do you have anything to say about that? Well, you know, yes, that certainly is possible. I, I would, I would say that um, planting corn into cereal rye is is challenging. Uh, that being said, if paying attention to a lot of details, it can be done right. And yeah, we're kind of fighting Mother Nature in a way because we're planting a grass. Corn is a grass after a grass. Uh, and when we plant soybeans after cereal rye, it just seems to work almost. It's just very, very forgiving. So if you're doing with, with corn after cereal rye, there's a lot of things that can be challenged. You brought up fusarium. I would say, yes, that probably could be an issue. Other people, comments. Do you agree with me? Have you, have you seen the same thing? Or, or um, maybe you disagree, and that's fine. I'd like to hear any comments on this issue with cereal rye and corn. Steve, this is Brent Larson. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, Brent. Go ahead. Great. I talked to a guy that wanted to try, you know, did try to do this this spring here in, in our mm -hmm. kind of area in central Iowa, mm -hmm. and he sprayed the uh, 28 or 32 percent on with his herbicide mm -hmm. and still had the, the stunted corn. Um, mm -hmm. What I recommended to him was, and I, I have never done that. I have never broadcast my, my nitrogen mm -hmm. um, just because of the, the research I've done with talking to
cutting out there, Brad? Right along the okay. row. Go ahead. Uh, we do a two-by-zero-by-two, basically right. two inches to the side and mm-hmm. on the surface and on both sides of the row. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put on half of our nitrogen via 32% along yep. with um, either sulfur or, or boron or um, um, I- ideally like a potassium thiol sulfate, a KTS product, to help stabilize the nitrogen and provide the potassium that our crops need here. So that we put on half of our N, which is roughly 80 units uh, in a 2 by 0 by 2 along with sulfur, and then come back with the other 80 units or 50 or whatever we want with, with Y drops. And we've had no problems with, with hurting the corn, except where I doubled the rate on purpose. Um, I learned that that 150 to 160 units of nitrogen at planting does hurt the stand. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Now, the the gentleman you had mentioned previously, who is that the is that the system he used? Half the nitrogen dribbled beside the row. No, he w- he was spraying his 32 or 28 percent on with his herbicide, mm-hmm. um, you know, at soon after after planting, and mm-hmm. and he still had, you know, his nitrogen was all tied up on the surface, and sure. and I, and I've never done that because I've just heard people say it doesn't work for them, so I I didn't want to try something that somebody else already yeah. tried and failed with, so I yeah. we went ahead and put the system on to to put it immediately beside the row. Yeah, and I would concur with that's better, your system. Uh, I would also, going back to my uh, analogy, what I did here, what I, what I, I showed or talked about today, is that was, uh, I, I knew that there was a good chance of rain coming, and that's another factor in why I did that. So, uh, there's a, uh, Nathan had a question here about, was it a roller or roller crimper that I used uh, to roll the rye? And there's all kinds of different definitions of both those terms. Uh, mine is a actually a rolling stalk chopper, relatively aggressive blades on it. Um, it I, I would say it would be called a roller crimper in this case because it, it's not just like a smooth roller. So, and answer your question, Nathan. There, I would fall on the roller crimper uh, category. And I just have a picture now. Of one of our members, um, uh, Monty Bottens from Illinois, where he was planting into planting green into uh, cereal rye here. Um, I just thought I'd throw this picture up because he's one of our one of our members here, and uh, I know that he's learning as well, but also having success. I don't see him on here today, but anyway. Any other questions um, that anybody might have? I see Paul Salon's on from New York. Uh, welcome, Paul. I don't know if you want to make any comments on this topic or not, but I'd I'd welcome that. Go ahead, Paul. Okay. Um, can you hear, hear me? You. I can. Go ahead. Oh, oh wow! This is new technology for me, actually. Welcome aboard, Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, is more of an academic uh, discussion than reality because you know they've been mm-hmm. we've been planting uh, corn with cereal rye for you know forever, yeah. and if it was a real serious problem, it would be. More than just a, a minor discussion item, sure. and, and reality. Yeah. So that's kind of, and that. So when I discuss it, I discuss it basically how you are, and just pointing out all the other issues, right. Management that we need to do. So right. it's it good to hear. Yep. Good. Um, Conrad, I see you have your mic on. I don't know if you're getting ready for a question or not, but uh, any comments? Uh, well, yeah, um, I have a. Okay. Okay, let's. I think Conrad's on. 
Go ahead, Conrad. Uh, someone else was going to talk. Maybe Jim. Um, Jim, did you have another question? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I don't know who's on. But That's okay. hey, um, I have a number of farmers that have tried it. Um, some have success, some don't. The ones that have the most success are dairy farmers, ah. simply because they just will never do it again. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wonder, are, are you using the same cereal rye variety year after year, or do you have your own cereal rye variety? I, I'm just wondering if there could mm-hmm. be some genetic differences in the cereal rye. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts, first of all, are there are genetic differences in cereal rye. Um, and with, with me, I, I have kind of gotten away from cereal rye. I still use some. Uh, no, I do not have my quote-unquote favorite variety or favorite locally grown VNS or whatever. Uh, I, I'm switching more to triticale uh, personally. Uh, that being said, uh, I think there are differences, but I don't know if there's differences of allelopathic effects in different cereal rise. And maybe someone does on here, and if you do, wouldn't mind knowing that. Um, so I guess to answer your question, I'll, I'll go back. You said the successful farmers tend to be dairy farmers. See, I'm assuming they would have more residual nitrogen in their soil from manure application. They're growing cereal rye anyway. Um, so, um, yeah, that being said, I'm, I'm just, uh, I cannot, I, I, that's very, it sounds very, uh, that, that very believable to what I've experienced as well. So, does anyone know if there's any differences of allelopathic effects in other? Um, yeah, I can't remember if it was not. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. This, this is Doug Bauer. Yeah, Doug. This is Doug Bauer. So I can't remember if it was Iowa's, Iowa State or whether it was the Iowa On-Farm Network. One of them did some work on that, on the the variety of rye and allopathy. Right, okay. And, uh... Yep, go ahead. I think I recall that... Elbin or Albin or yep. something like that was the least allelopathic, but okay. if you're interested, check those two resources out. It was definitely one of them. I see. They, they did some work on that. Doug, are you on? Are you on the? Are you on the Facebook group? I'm not sure if you are or not. I forget. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm subscribed, but I, I don't. I don't okay. do very no, good getting to no, there's The only reason I ask is it'd be great to post that. Maybe I'll try to look. I'm going to make a note here. I might make a look of that. I might look for that and post it on the Facebook group. That'd be kind of cool for us to see because I've I've never seen that before. That's that's a good. I appreciate that yeah. reference. So the the other thing is the the Iowa On Farm Network did quite a bit of work on on rye cover crop. Affecting corn yields. Okay. Uh, but you know, I, yeah, they they very consistently had a yield reduction, but I'm not sure they did any of these mitigation factors that you're talking about. Right. Yeah, and that's and again, I've seen those studies too, and uh, sometimes you know, if if you if there are failures which are legitimate failures, but maybe. Maybe they just didn't understand how to do it right. I mean that that happens, um, and I've I've seen that quite a few times associated with cereal rye. That's why I say cereal rye 
before uh, before corn is challenging. Like as Paul Ceylon said, in his area of New York, they've been doing it for almost decades. Well, they've learned how to do it, and a lot of them are dairy farms. Um, so, um, I mean, I've been doing it for decades, and it doesn't phase me a bit. But when I have a new farmer wanting to do it, I always go through a checklist of things to make it work right. And then you have this question that comes in. That was our topic today about what is the effect of allelopathy. And that's why I wanted to fully better understand this so we we know how to manage it well. So was there another question or two brewing here? I know there's a couple of people trying to talk back here at once. It's returned back to the plant uh, near the end of the growth period, but there has been some research that looks at when that, when the cereal rye releases the nitrogen, right? Okay. That that timeline, and I always used to say something like uh, six to eight weeks it starts releasing. But is there? Do you have any information that's a little bit more solid or able to uh, better identify how long it takes for it to release? Well, a lot of that release is directly related to the maturity of the cereal rye when it's terminated. If you have a 12-inch cereal rye that's very succulent and very, very uh, tender, uh, if you terminate then, it's probably going to give that nitrogen back uh, within a month or two. Uh, when you have like a picture I showed where it was six feet tall, it may be, and I'm not really exaggerating, it may be a year or two. Uh, the prince of that field that I showed you, when we harvested that field for silage, there was still a thick mat of rye stalks uh, in there, uh, and, which is what I want. I want my soil covered year-round. So when I planted my next cover crop, I was planting through the previous cover crop residue, which is kind of a goal like I, I have uh, to do. So it all depends on the maturity. The thing that's interesting about cereal rye is because it is a high C to N ratio, it, the, the microbes, for simplicity, I'll just say the microbes, they use up some of the nitrogen in the decomposition process where legumes will give back nitrogen much quicker. Um, so, so to answer your question, it depends on termination. And there's a huge difference happens right before boot stage of like a cereal rye and then right after it starts heading out. In other words, in, in a two-week time period in the spring, you can go from the rye being completely disappeared where you can't see it by July. You wait to terminate that same field of rye two weeks later, you'll see that rye for a year. And uh, that has to do because it rapidly grows and lignifies, and the C to N ratio shoots up. Long-winded answer there, but I hope it helps. Very good question. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Conrad, I see your mic's on. I wasn't sure if you were trying to talk before or not, but I want to give you a chance. Okay, anybody else before we kind of wrap this section up? We'll open it up to any other question. Hey, uh, this is Paul Ceylon. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Uh -huh. I just wanted to add to your comment that uh, about the CDN ratio. There's some work being done, I believe, uh, um, with uh, Georgia, uh, one of the universities in Georgia, Mm -hmm. And the Northeast Cover Crop Council, Steve mm -hmm. Mercy is going to move mm -hmm. a little bit more forward on it. But the point I was trying to make is that they're utilizing regular uh, forage analysis, looking mm -hmm. at NDF, ADF, and digestibility mm -hmm. to come up, um, and also looking at climate data mm -hmm. to try to model nitrogen release from 
from different cover crops. So that's something yeah. to be looking yeah. for down the road. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Uh, that's good to know that kind of stuff's coming. I see that Nathan also typed in here, and I kind of glanced through it, um, and it's a good. I, I think it sums up what what I've been saying here today. And and uh, Nathan says, been my experience that I have not had problems with the leliopathy when planting corn and cereal rye, but most of the issues are nutrient tie-up in the residue and weather conditions during germination, which he's saying he agrees with me in that. So anyway, just again, I, I feel like there's general evidence here to support that it's, it's more tied into nutrients than it is a leliopathy, at least the negative side of that, and uh, was with corn. So I think that's... Uh, just good to note that there's, there seems to be consensus on that. 